Take it away, my man. I think we're good. Oh, real quick, I do, have, I do have some brief apologies that I'd like to get out of here. I want to I want to apologize to Terrence Malik for pronouncing his name as Malik like an idiot. I thought it was a choice. Uh, yeah, I, I know I make weird choices when I pronounce things. I I still like the maintain, Romeo plus Juliet thing. I still maintain that it's funny to call it Romeo plus Juliet. That's you know what's you know what's funny though is when Nick pronounces things wrong. I think I'm wrong. Exactly. Because clearly Nick would know better, right? Because he's pretentious. How many times does it happen other than that? You guys got to let me know so that I don't do it. I don't know because I just believe it. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, I actually, the key is confidence. You just say whatever the fuck you want to. Because you're the Criterion channel, so you have to be right. Um, Apologies to Willy Wonka. I'm really sorry that I forgot about all your great songs. Apologies to Ari Aster, even though I said I wasn't going to apologize. He's got some shit in his in his oeuvre that's that's psycho like psychological and apologies to brandon jones for shitting on your wild wild west take so yeah. long and repeatedly i feel i feel kind of bad even though it's a bad movie and you almost deserve it i think we all you know i haven't brandon. listened to that episode yet but it is the one episode that i'm most excited to just get out into the world because you know these people need to know what i put up with the struggle so guys what's everybody watching this week brandon oh we want me to go first this week huh i just picked random what an honor i did watch emma though i watched the gwyneth paltrow uh version of emma which was uh interesting that was it that was all that i watched this week busy week it was a busy week amanda I didn't have time to watch anything heavy or good. I just watched Artemis Fowl, and uh, it was a movie. I heard it was fucking garbage. Yeah, I heard it was trash. It was. Wow, okay. So, first of all, you know. know. Josh Gad dislocates his jaw and eats dirt, and it comes out of his butthole. Yes. I mean, that's true to the book. Yes. Nicholas, can you watch that? Mulch Diggums can do that. Um, I am disappointed. So I read a couple of reviews about this and I am disappointed as if they don't intend on making any more of these films and I'll be super disappointed if they don't. They definitely do intend on making more because at the end of the movie, he mentions being a criminal mastermind and then he goes and rescues Josh Gad and it's clear that they're going to come out with more movies. Like the ending is, it's very obvious that more there are there are more films to come. I was going to say, so you're excited. <laughs> Very excited. It was a movie. Ryan, did you watch anything interesting this week? I finally, finally, finally saw Ad Astra. And I understand where people can say that it's somewhat boring and it moves at a slower pace, but I was locked in the entire time. I have a huge love for Brad Pitt, and I even have a bigger love for Tommy Lee Jones. Like, that's my guy. The chemistry between those two was fucking awesome. I look at Brad Pitt and I look at Benicio Del Toro and I they're the same. They're really not leading actors. They are character actors in leading actors' bodies. So in the movie The Hunted, which is, came back like in 2003, Tommy Lee Jones and Benicio Del Toro, great chemistry. So if you take that same kind of idea and you think Brad's a lot like him, I was just, I was really hoping that father-son dynamic was there and it was and I was very touched by it. I was very moved by it. I was excited. I can't wait until we do a Brad Pitt starring movie so we can further interrogate that 
opinion of Brad Pitt as not a leading man. He's a character actor. He just happens to be in a leading man's body. Like, that's ultimately what he wants to be. Mm -hmm. And the Academy agrees with me. (laughs) Didn't win for Moneyball. He won for Cliff Booth. That's true. That's true. God, the Academy's not wrong. What a great performance. Shouts to, shouts to, I don't even know how to describe Brad Pitt in that movie. You're a good friend, Cliff. God, so good. So. Sorry, I got super excited. No, it's okay. It's okay. Jennifer, <laughs> Jennifer, we, we watched the same movies, but actually, you know what? I'm going to go first. Yeah, because the assistant. Yes, I'm sorry. We actually didn't watch the same movies because I watched a movie that you didn't watch. When did you watch that? Oh, you know. I got to know between the two of you, because I get this, I get in trouble in my household all the time. Like if there's, do, do, do you get mad at your partner and this Ryan and uh, Amanda, feel free to chime in too. But if you have plans to watch something, or if you just casually mention something that you watched, does your partner get upset that you watched it regardless of if they were interested or not, because they feel like it's a betrayal that you watch something without them. Yes. Yes. I was about to say, I think Ryan and I have different opinions here. We're not no. on the same page. We are not on the same page. There are certain movies I've seen that you're like, oh, I was waiting to watch that with you. It's like, sorry. Closed mouths don't get fed. Ad Astra, I watched it, and the next morning I was like, or the next day I was like, hey, I'm so sorry. I got to tell you, I watched Ad Astra last night without you. And she was like, oh, I got to watch that shit anyways. I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah, always ask for forgiveness, not permission. Well, I have learned that he's probably already watched the movie that I want to watch. So I'm just going to watch whatever movie I want to watch. But also, like, I like to talk about movies. And then if he hasn't seen it, then I have to, like, who the fuck am I going to talk to about the movie? And I'm not going to rewatch it again to make, like, to have him watch it so that we can talk about it. Yeah. Because I don't want to rewatch the movie. So what am I going to do? Keep all this movie talk to myself? Who... (laughs) Where does it go? It'll it'll eat you up inside. Listen, <laughs> let me tell you. Does that happen to you, Nicholas? That my that my movie talk eats me up inside. Yeah. Yes. Okay. No, it's okay. I talked to Van. Anyways, so the one movie that I watched without Jennifer this week is The Assistant. I don't, it's a it's a day in the life sort of thing. It's about the Me Too sort of. It's a Me Too sort of movie about a, a girl who works as an assistant for a woman who works as an assistant for a Harvey Weinstein-esque sort of figure. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard about that one. It's uh, very good. It's it's anchored by a performance by Julia Garner. She won an Emmy for her work in Ozark. Yep. She was also introduced to me through a little show called The Americans. She's fantastic. She is a very good yeah. actress. I, I put here future Oscar winner. I can see her winning like a Best Supporting Actress. And we both watched The Apartment, 1960 movie. It's one that I've talked about before, one that I really love. But it's still got really good performances by Jack Lemmon and, and a very young Shirley MacLaine, which is interesting. And Jack Lemmon, for those of you who don't know, that is one of the five of Nick's guys. Am I correct? Yeah. You know what? Yeah, sure. 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 And Billy Wilder is one of my directing guys, too. So, you know, since I get five in all of these other disciplines, just to be clear, I'll release a list at some point. And then <laughs> last night we watched uh, we watched another movie together. Jennifer, would you like to talk about the movie that we watched together? 
Yeah. Um, it's called Mandy from 2018. It's apparently a movie that Nicholas mistook for a different movie and realized about 30 minutes into whatever weird fucked up shit was going on that that was not the movie he meant to put on. <laughs> Listen. It's, uh, I guess it does star Nicholas Cage. So I wasn't mad about oh, it. Oh, no. Because he's one of my guys. I'm not ashamed. Don't be ashamed. I don't even know how to explain it. You could read the description online, and it's still not going to really uh, get you there. It's like a weird, psychedelic, acid, satanic, cult, backwoods, Nicolas Cage on fire kind of shit. So thank you, Nicholas. IndieWire is calling it an instant cult classic. Yes. It's- it did. Uh, it got like 91% or something like that on Rotten Tomatoes, actually. Is this like I- Nick Cage's comeback movie or something? What was it? It was like in 2018. Okay. 2018. Yeah. Hold on. So I just opened up the IMDb for it. I'm scrolling through it. And the only thing I catch is there is a character named Fuckpig in this movie. <laughs> Ooh, which one was that? Honestly, after watching it, there could have been multiple people that you would call I, Fuckpig. Well, I think he, it was like the pinhead looking character that had all yeah. those nails coming out of him. Yeah. There's also just like a biker gang. I don't know. They drink a weird drug and then there's like a Tiger King slash... Jennifer, don't spoil it. Wake up. <laughs> I, I, I don't think I could spoil it. You can't. It's not possible. It is a truly wild movie. It's beautiful, though. It looks really cool. It's very inventive. It's very stylish. Nicolas Cage is, is acting a lot, but he's, he's, he's good in this. What streaming service was this on? Uh, I downloaded it. So you paid for it. We purchased this. We bought a DVD. Yes, I bought a DVD. Yes. For those of you who don't know what DVD is, back in the day, before streaming services. Right. For those of you who don't know what a disc is, Antonio, what did what did you watch this week? Uh, so I watched quite a bit this week. I watched The Pianist. Uh, that was a great movie. I watched my guy Ryan's favorite movie, Joyride. I really think we should review that one day. Thank you. Uh, I also watched a Queen documentary on Netflix while we were uh, assembling a dresser for my bedroom. That was interesting. After our shitty recording last Friday night, I was really drunk and watched Rise of the Lycans, uh, Underworld Rise of the Lycans. That was a shitty movie. I would not recommend. And then I also watched Gran Torino or rewatched Gran Torino. I've seen Gran Torino lots of times. I don't know, like I picked up on a couple different things this time. And, you know, just Clint Eastwood, such a fucking racist in this movie. And it's awesome, kind of. Oh, Uh, yeah. But I feel that, so, if he had better grandkids, I don't think Gran Torino gets made. Because he's over here just saying, you know, go back home where he came from. And they're trying to, his neighbor's trying to explain to them, like, we're here because of your people. He's like, nah, go somewhere else. And I just feel if his, you know, granddaughter was, you know, had a better relationship with him, she could have easily reminded him that you don't need to RSVP to come into America because it doesn't say that on the Statue of Liberty. Woo! Yes! Beautiful. <laughs> yes! Nailed it! Oh, my god! Slow gosh. clap. My gosh. My gosh. Beautiful. That was beautiful, um, Antonio. What you just completed was a masterpiece it's a master class thank you thank you for that
Antonio, my man, since you since you ended so eloquently, let me ask you a question. When I say clueless, what's the first thing that comes to mind? First thing that comes to mind is that uh, since we started recording, this is the first movie that I haven't seen that my friends have forced me to watch that I have actually enjoyed from start to finish. Yay. Beautiful. So now you know what everyone's talking about. I mean, I, I don't know that this movie had a lot of pop culture reference to where I would have come across certain lines or anything like that, but it's going to be part of my everyday vocabulary now. What? All the pop culture references are in it. I can't wait to hear you say as if. We'll get there. We'll get there. Ironically, already say as if. Ugh, as if. Exactly like that at work all the time. <laughs> Without knowing that this was from this movie. So I'm so confused because I know Antonio and I'm I'm so confused as to how we arrived here. And I can't let this go with just uh, I'm going to use these pop culture references or these lines from this movie anymore. Like I have to know what is it about this movie that spoke to you? Wait, some of Wait. our other endeavors didn't. Oh, he's he. No, no. Okay, we're not. We can't do this. We're jumping ahead. First of all, we're jumping of right all, on it. Second of all, Brandon, I don't want you to take any offense. I know Antonio feels this. I mean, Antonio actually would probably want you to take offense just because he didn't like Wild Wild West. <laughs> You know what? I'm not even that offended about it, I guess. But if we're going to build, if, if we're going to say that Clueless was better than Wild Wild West, then yes, I am that offended. We'll get ready to die on the hill then. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jen, when I say the word Clueless, what's the first thing that comes to mind? The fashion. Like, I just think of plaid immediately because I well, and my childhood because I was about seven, I guess, when I first watched this. I know it came out in 95. I was born in 91. I watched it somewhere when I was able to comprehend somewhat what was going on. I've probably seen it at least 50 times. No exaggerations. No, no. Like three of them were this past week. But I well, I burnt out that VHS tape that I had watching this almost every day of summer. And that's just what I think of. I just think of my childhood just wearing plaid skirts and Dressing up and saying as if. Not that I actually did any of that, but I had just imagined. I need to see some pictures. <laughs> I just said I didn't do it. I wanted to. I mean, but everybody <laughs> strived to be Cher Horowitz, right? Not everybody, but every girl. Yeah. At least to look like her as far as fashion. Fashion, yeah. I know we'll I did. We're, we're jumping ahead. I'm glad we got to come back to this one because it brought back lots of memories. I think for all of us. I think we can all agree on that. You got any more on Clueless? For now. I mean, I have a lot about it, but... <laughs> we don't get to that. Nick, Clueless, what's the first thing you think of? Yeah, so I'm going to... I'm gonna put, So I'll push back on you here, Ryan. Um, and I think, I'm, I think I'm speaking for half of the people here when I say that if you were not raised on movies that were aimed at teenage girls, like Amanda, Jen, or Ryan then you didn't, you know, this didn't become ingrained in your personal sort of movie DNA. This is not something that I grew up quoting a lot. This is not something that I 
that I grew up, I did. This wasn't like a classic for me. I think in my head before I watched, I was just thinking it's like Legally Blonde, right? But it's it's high school and it's Alicia Silverstone. So you couldn't relate. You 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 couldn't relate to this. You were never a virgin who couldn't drive. Uh, I have frequently most of my uh, most of my life has been being a virgin who couldn't drive. So I was going to say he's still one of them. Excuse me, Jennifer. <laughs> I can drive very well, thank you very much. Um, it's mean. I thought it was. It, well, it can be both. It can be funny. So, is this your first time watching Clueless? No, or- this is not. I was gonna. I was gonna say is I watched this movie uh, when I was sixteen, or maybe a little bit after. I don't remember. I don't remember. Yeah. But it wasn't. It also wasn't a movie like you know. I, I don't know if you guys watched this with your friends when you were teenagers, like. Uh, mm-hmm. I can guarantee that Brandon and I have never watched this movie together. You know, like when Brandon and I were getting together with Derek and and Antonio, we never were like, hey, let's put on Clueless. Like that was not a, you know, it's this not, is it's not a thing boys do. Right. It's just you guys never watched movies with me. Well, you never wanted to watch movies, Antonio. <laughs> yeah, this is this is my second time. This is not the first time, but still. And it's a shame in a similar in, in a similar way to what Antonio is alluding at here, I think it, it's a shame that I didn't watch this movie more. I don't think that I'd identify with it anymore um, because I'm not a Valley girl, but still. But let me ask you, if it's on, yes. would you, and you're flipping through channels or going, oh, you kids don't do that anymore. But if you were, if it was on, you're flipping through channels, would you stop and watch a part of it? Or would you just be like, oh, it's just Clueless, whatever, just keep going. If Clueless is on, I would treat it the same way that I treat like, legally blonde where it's like okay i think i know what happens here i know the general plot line there's not something here that i feel like i need to rewatch. and i understand it's got this cachet is like culturally um a super quotable movie and super funny and all that stuff and it holds up really well it just wasn't that to me you know what i mean like it just wasn't okay even after watching it one time i don't know why it didn't land the first time I, if i could go back and speak to 14 year old 12 year old or whatever me you know and say hey what's up man like this isn't funny for you i don't (laughs) i got you amanda when i say the word clueless or the movie clueless what's the first thing that comes to mind um iconic fashion the pop culture references are iconic it's highly quotable it's i don't know i wouldn't say that we as like in our generation it's relatable when we were coming up because it's a different kind of class, you know, you don't, that's something you like aspire to, but you're never like, you, you don't find that relatable in any way. You know what I'm saying? Um, but yeah, it's, it's a, it's one of the, it's one of the rewatchable movies for me. Brandon, what you got? When I say the word clueless to Brandon, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Boy, uh, terrible movie. Ooh. I'm sure that there's something there that that people identify with with would share, but I did not care for this movie at all. I thought that there was no plot to it. There is a small redemption arc, I guess, that they kind of play off of for her, where she all of a sudden wants to do the right thing in terms of the environment. There was nothing here that I thought was good. Um, she, I mean, the, 
Brandon, Brandon. Okay, no, I have to. <laughs> we don't. We don't need to go further down the road on on what you uh, because I want to know. Like, so okay, so when we proposed the idea of Clueless, what did you think? Were you? I voted for Clueless. I mean, everybody speaks of it in such high regard, and I thought it was going to be like this. Honestly, in my mind, I had this movie pegged as like almost like a Pretty in Pink kind of like greatness to it because that's the way that people people speak about this movie in like these kinds of terms and then i get into it and there's just there's nothing there there's nothing like there's nothing to like about share the one thing that i will say that i actually do identify with share with is i was also that kind of student in high school that got poor grades because i didn't do the work but then teachers generally liked me enough that if we if we could negotiate something where maybe I did half the work or you know like come on like I can't I can't have a C but like let's talk about a B like generally we could come we could find some middle ground where the grade was acceptable enough to show to my parents man of and the so that mind. piece really resonated with me but the rest of it like her out here driving around in this Jeep with no license, committing all of these misdemeanors in California, by the way, hitting all of these parked cars. Like what, in what world is that okay? They came out of nowhere, sir. <laughs> Antonio's just gonna, his entire contribution is quotes. <laughs> what did, how did you feel about the dialogue and the vernacular that was used in the movie like the the dialogue to me was like this weird like i had to go and like look up it's it's like it's like the kids today in their dialogue and like i have to go and like look up what they're talking about because i have no idea what they're talking about and that makes me feel old and i don't like that <laughs> makes me feel like clint eastwood and gran torino i mean wasn't that sort of the point like they're teenagers and they're they're their slang and their 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 vocabulary is going to be a little bit removed from what an adult would. would hey understand. Ryan, <laughs> what's up? Oh, sorry, just went a, just went right on into the next one. <laughs> My bad. Hey Ryan, yeah, what's up, man? Oops. <laughs> no, this is all this is all fruitful stuff here. Um, I wasn't. I didn't mean to skip over it. I was straight up asking him because I wanted to know what he thought about it. No, I know. I know. I'm excited. Um, I'm excited for what he thinks about all of these things. I know. I have so many questions for you, Brandon. It's a, it's again, it's, it's five. It's wild, wild west, but the inverse, it's going to be great. Um, Oh God. Ryan, when we decided to do Clueless, what was, what was your first thought? Did you vote for Clueless? Uh, I didn't. I actually voted for Man on Fire, but I was not disappointed to that clueless one because that's exactly how I thought high school would be. So like Jen and I probably saw this a little bit before our time, but to me, I'm just gonna say this, y'all probably disagree. This almost has more quotable lines to me than super bad. How like, old do I, you think you are? I'm old. I'm 34 years old. I'm okay. a 16 year old girl. God damn it. <laughs> I don't. Okay. So I don't know if this is a reflection of how good this movie is, or if I'm just a child of the nineties that is yet to really move on. Probably that, but 
in really taking a step back and looking kind of inward, I guess you could say, so much of this movie has actually really shaped my personality. I learned the word sporadically from this movie. I use the term sporadically. Dude, sometimes you would run into a girl who was a Monet. And we would call her a Monet because of this movie. From far away, she looked okay. But up close, it was just a big old mess. Exactly. So, but also like I was obsessed with movies like Say by the, or not movies. I was obsessed with like shows like Say by the Bell where the lead character would try to reason or figure out a way to get out of trouble. Kind of saw Cher like a female version of like a Zach Morris in Say by the Bell. Well, I was going to say, it's interesting that you said that, you know, that those are the things, the things that she does in this movie. Because as, as Brandon started to say earlier, um, the plot for him doesn't seem like there's a lot of plot here. You're talking about things that she does over the course of the movie. Um, I think that there's I get what Brandon is saying, I guess, when he says that there's not a not a serious plot like there's not a if I could respond to that, I can see where Brandon says that they're like this movie has, quote unquote, no plot. In rewatching it, this movie feels a lot like a sitcom that takes all the best episodes and jams them together into like an hour and 30 minutes. And you have a 90s classic, basically. Like, if you really stop and think about it, I'm going to break this down. Episode one would be like titled Get My Grades Up. Then episode two would be called New Girl. That's when Ty comes in. Episode three would be Party in the Valley. And then Christian, Night Alone with Christian, Dr. Frankenstein's Regret. When the whole movie this kinda... way too closely to Save by the Bill. No, I'm just saying, but it it feels like a sitcom. Yeah, there's a lot of storyline to it. Right. So I can feel how I can see how Brandon would maybe see that the plot like there is no plot because it feels like an entire first season of a sitcom crammed together in an hour and a half. You know what other movie has a lot of storyline? What? Emma. (laughs) (laughs) You know what Emma's based on? What is Emma based on? A book. Did you know that Clueless is also based on a book? Do you know what that book is? Emma. <laughs> Emma. So in watching this, I did go back and watch Gwyneth Paltrow's Emma. It's the wrong which one. was nominated for two Academy Awards. It's the right one. It was nominated for two Academy Awards. It's still the um, wrong one. And... This one at least felt Emma felt like it was moving toward moving towards something with a purpose where like clueless kind of just and, and to to what Ryan said, where it sets up these these episodes and these episodes, you could definitely break this thing down into episodes. But this it didn't feel like it was moving towards anything where at least like Emma has like these things that move it from episode i guess to episode or from scene to scene where clueless just okay i'm at school i'm at home you know my stepbrother sucks my stepbrother's kind of all right i'm gonna make out with my stepbrother like that's all that i took away from clueless was that at the end of the day like she was her stepbrother went from being like eh, kind of sucks to that's the dude I want to make out with. And I wish they would have included a final scene where the dad had a reaction. Cause I guarantee you the dad's not okay with her making out with her stepbrother. The dad did have a reaction in the scene where Josh goes to 
watch her at the party, he has an approving reaction to it. Yes, there's like a there's a knowing look. And, and Mel Mel <laughs> no. Mel is Mel is not a stupid guy. Clearly, like he no, he definitely didn't leap from you going to take care of your sister to you making out with your sister. There's no way that man made that leap. I agree with Brandon. You can tell by his face that he's not that he he is acknowledging what is happening. I think he understands. Yeah. Based he's, on, I think, I, I think after the whole like, whenever he sees her in the Calvin Klein dress, and he yeah. sees Josh's reaction, and he's like, yeah. "Okay, yeah. yeah." Literally, there's, I, I, there's no way that I can believe that this man who says you don't give up on family in like the first scene, acknowledging that this kid is family, is okay with him making out with his daughter. He didn't say that he was family. He said, we don't divorce, or we divorce wives, we don't divorce children. That's all he said. I'm just saying. All I, all I, the, and, and that's, that's just one of the problems that I have with this movie is that, at least in Emma, it makes sense that she ends up with her sister's husband's brother. And that would have been so easy to do in Clueless. You literally could have made Paul Rudd's character an intern or something other than somebody Brandon. else. It would have been so easy to do that. But they went this weird route of making him so, the stepbrother. Hold on. You're more weird. okay with the fact that that's literally her brother-in-law that she gets with and not a removed stepbrother of five years ago that has no marital relation or blood relation? Well, it has marital relation because they were married not anymore. at some point. They were they were living under the same roof. I in under under my notes in plot, I wrote adult ex stepbrother suddenly finds he is sexually attracted to fifteen year old sister and vice versa. I would like somebody to Google that and see what comes up in your Google searches. No, nah, I ain't touching that. Brandon, shit. I'm sure it would fill it out for you because you've already searched for it. <laughs> oh shit. Don't open you up even... that open up that private browser. And just go ahead and type that in there. Antonio, as someone who had not seen this movie before and apparently enjoyed it, um, is is adult ex stepbrother suddenly finds he's sexually attracted to his fifteen year old sister and vice versa? Is that enough of a plot for you? Did that work for you? So, so quick question: Did they ever say how old Josh was? He's eighteen. No. Right, because he's at minimum he's in college and she's in high school. Okay, because I was just trying to do the whole you know divide age by two, add seven to figure out if this was still okay. too young. Yeah, still technically too young if he's eighteen. In the state of California, divide by two, add seven, Jennifer. <laughs> so Nick, I have to ask you, and I didn't get to it in the last little segment, but since you are our resident pretentious moviegoer. Plot wise, what did you think of the movie? And then how did you get Legally Blonde anywhere in that plot? Okay. I guess I got to Legally Blonde the the similarities here for me, okay? Without before rewatching this. Um I had a very vague sense of what the plot in either of those two movies actually were, right? So there's a there's a strong female lead character who's blonde who is smarter than she looks 
um, and then sort of navigates her life in a way that ultimately she winds up with a, like there's like a romantic comedy aspect to it. Right. Okay. So I didn't remember anything that I still, to be honest with you, I don't know what exactly happens in Legally Blonde. I know her boyfriend dumps her and then she goes to law school that he's at to prove that she's smart too. And then they, he wants to get back together with her. And then she says no, because she's a strong independent woman now. Clueless, obviously different. It, there's there's not a lot of plot here other than I mean Amanda said it correctly like it's it's all the the overarching plot here is that um it's a girl who a girl and her ex stepbrother who wind up in love right okay um, I don't mind that as a pretentious person I don't need like I'm not you know a lot of pretentious movies are not super plot heavy so it's fine I don't mind it's not that big of a deal I think it's interesting because I know Brandon likes movies like Superbad and stuff where, um, I mean, it, you know, plot is a, there's not a lot that's going on, but it's, it, it all happens in one day, you know? So you sort of get the sort of urgency there and, and things happen. There's buildup, whereas here there's not, um, or like book smart, right? Where that's, you know, it's all the same, same day. There's a ton of great movies that don't have a plot. Sure, sure. There's tons of good movies. I think it's interesting because you don't necessarily see it in this kind of movie, right? Like teen movies. Right. Yeah. Breakfast Club, that sort of all happens in one. Um, what else am I thinking of? Fast Times. Although Dazed and Confused, Fast Times at Ridgemont. Um, you know. It's like trying to find me. Fast Times also written by uh, Amy Heckerling. Shouts to Amy Heckerling. I know what you're talking about when you say that it's like a TV show and you can see some of those little like self-contained episodes within it. Um, I don't know that that's what I generally want in a movie. Okay. But it worked here. You know, that's, that's generally what I want in like a mini series, but Hey, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. this is uh this is fine. I would like to clarify that my oversimplified plot synopsis was. I mean, no. mine was material things are nice, but they can't compare to the love between two step siblings. Like, you know, <laughs> Okay. Because she's a very material person for most of the thing, but then she realizes okay. that she actually has to be a better person to get with her stepbrother. Okay. See, yeah. I just want to I just want to clarify that my my synopsis was very oversimplified, and it's not the actual plot yeah. of the movie. <laughs> yeah, but I mean that's I'm I'm doing it a disservice by saying what I said because it's I actually. I think Brand would say that you're not because there's not a whole bunch of like there's well, Brandon's opinion happen, doesn't count in this. But one. there are things because the thing is, is that there are things that that come up and then are resolved in like 15 minutes. And that's yeah. not you know, we're talking about like sort of an I guess what he wants is like an overall narrative structure. Yeah. And, and that's kind of what Ryan's saying about it being like mini episodes. Like, yeah, it feels right. like it feels like chapters in a book, you know. This chapter starts, finish, ends, storyline, go, move on, move on, move on. It's kind of what it feels like. But to me, what drives this story or what drives this movie are the characters and the, and, and the fact that they are teenagers in the 90s. Did you find them somewhat pretentious, Nick? Um, I, you know, I, I thought it was interesting for me, I guess, um, at face value. I don't want to get God. I realized that my thing was actually the pretentious way of looking at this now that I'm thinking about it. Um, it's totally it's not. It's the accurate way to look at it. Uh, well, you can be both. Um, it's interesting because I think the main point that I, or the thing that I took away from the way that they, the way that Amy Heckerling and um, I guess, you know, just the, the movie itself 
you know, portrays these teens is that it's it's a satire that also is is very generous and you know cares a lot about the things that it's satirizing like mm-hmm. you know it makes fun of how um materialistic Cher and her friends are and and their focuses and all of these things but at the same time like i mean these are these kids have depth these kids are smart you know she one of my favorite scenes is when she's talking about is it Hamlet when she's saying who says she's like, Oh yeah. You know, as Hamlet said, and she's like, no, that's not Hamlet. That's Polonius, that Polonius guy. Mel Gibson didn't say to thy own self be true. That Polonius guy did. Right. Right. Or, or one of Antonio's favorite lines when, you know, when Donald Faison comes on and he, and he says, Hey woman. And then they go into this whole thing where he says the word misogynistic, which is not something that you hear in a normal teen movie kind of misogynistic um, undertones right you know there's um there's just um there's an understanding here of their intelligence you know and and that's like their ability to to know things and you know they're obviously very smart Brittany murphy shows up and she's kind of wow she's like you talk like you guys talk like adults no she says you guys talk like grown-ups. You talk like grown-ups. Yes, she is a, and she is certainly a child. Um, she might be the exception to this, but she she works as like this sort of outside character. But you know, you you've got the mental intelligence and you've got an emotional intelligence there. As so, you can make fun of these. You know, this movie makes fun of these teens, and and that's what I like in movies like this. Like Superbad does the same thing. You know, great teen movies make fun of the generation that they're talking about generationally great teen movies make fun of the generation that they're talking about but they understand that at the same time these are people who you know feel and and have intelligence just like every just like adults do but that's what i find so interesting because i vividly remember thinking when i first saw this movie this is how i needed to act and speak when i got into high school i didn't look at it as a satire i was like oh man my vocabulary needs to step up its game because people are saying things like misogynistic undertones after asking for five dollars, you know what I mean. Sure. I really five dollars. <laughs> I felt like I needed to be as smart as these kids really were. I mean, and that, but that's also one of the problems that I have with Cher in general is like that she waxes between being this complete ditz who's not paying attention to her driving test or having having to negotiate her grades because she's not that great of a student to, you know, memorizing something like that. You know, I, I I had a problem with how dumb she was at times and that's going to sound awful, but it was, it was almost like a stereotype that she was this dumb. And then couple that also with on the initial watching of this, that I was actually, you know, kind of unimpressed with Donald Faison's character and his stereotypes, I thought that he pl- I thought that his character played up to some ter- some stereotypes that bothered me for a little bit on or bothered me on first watching, but on second on second thought, it was like okay, this is it's fine. It's it's a caricature of of high school kids, so it's fine. But on first watching, and I think I wrote you guys, I was like, man, this I'm I'm actually I'm I'm offended by him and Dion's relationship. I want to stop you right there because I want to come back to you about something because I have a question for you. But I want to take this to Amanda because, Amanda, you listened to Donald Faison on Justin Long's podcast. And what did he say about his role as Murray? 
Yeah, so actually Donald Faison actually talks about the development of his character because, you know, Donald Faison grew up in Harlem, right? And when they started filming for this and he's he's picking up on the like script and he's reading his lines and he he sees the the vocabulary that's being used and stuff like that, he recognizes the character he's trying to play and he he describes it as he wants to be the archetype that he has seen in all these movies growing up in you know like your 16 candles and your breakfast club but he never got to see as a young black kid so your jake ryan's and your judd nelson's so he was like i want to be i want to be ice i want to be ice cube but i want to be the judd nelson version of ice cube or i want to be and then he also says and i realized that murray as the character is a poser so i gotta play a poser because of my socioeconomic status so the reason why he seems so offensive is because he's a poser. He's he's an actor playing a poser, even though he's actually from Harlem. So it it's a very interesting interview to hear him talk about how he has to like tone down who he is truly and then bring it back in, but in a caricature type way. But he did like it, it was very interesting to hear. And in like when he's getting his head shaved. He, by Lawrence, he goes, I'm keeping it real. When I was doing line readings, I heard people saying, keeping it real. And he was like, I'm going to bring that to the movie. I want to yeah, give it. That was ad-libbed. Right. It was ad-libbed. He's like, I want to be a poser, but I also don't want to be a fake poser. He says something along those lines. It was I, very I know I misquoted. contradictory, but it was. Right. But, yeah. but it was genius in the fact that he was like, I'm going to it. I want to play a stereotype, but I'm not playing a stereotype, but I'm playing a stereotype. Does that make sense? It doesn't. It but, sense. but when you hear him say it, it it made like all kinds of I was like, of, oh, yeah. okay. I get, I get why you were trying to be like that. Speaking of that scene, I, so if you, I, before we, way before we started this and probably definitely before we even went to Derek's wedding, uh, I went to get a haircut and I got, uh, there was a miscommunication between me and my barber. And he, he <laughs> shaved. He shaved my entire head. He shaved my uh-huh. head bald, basically. And I came home. Shit. I texted. I texted my girlfriend, and I was like, "Hey, look, like there's a miscommunication. Um, you're not. My haircut is not going to be what you expected." And I get home, and I reveal the shaved head for the first time, and she hates it. She- she basically reacted like <laughs> Dion reacted when um, he was when uh, Donald's character was getting his head shaved. And so when we were watching this together, I, I thought that that was a really funny moment because like if you guys would have seen my head, my head like there was nothing up there, and it was yeah, super it was great. Short. It was so good. <laughs> so how like so Brandon? What did this movie remind you of anything else? Like what? What? What kind of connection did you have with Clueless in a in a positive or negative way? Well, and so like thinking about this movie though, it did. It we're, we've talked about how these teenagers are, you know, caricatures of of teenagers at the time. But what this reminded me of a lot of was uh, when we went in when we uh, or when you watched Twenty One Jump Street they go back to high school for the first time. The cool kids are the lame kids and the kids that 
are conscious about the environment or the or the cool kids now and the the whole dynamic of what you would traditionally think for high school kids is turned completely upside down and this movie clueless actually reminded me a lot of 21 jump street in that regard <laughs> so did you watch this and think that you were a loser because you didn't because you didn't talk like them because you didn't is that what you're is that what you're saying that's not what I'm saying. Oh, okay. I thought that the way that they, the the lingo, the vernacular was one of the, I mean, it's one of the easiest sort of things that makes this quotable as a movie, but I thought it worked. I thought it worked to establish, um, just establish where they are. Since we're going to bring up the, the vernaculars and the words that were used in this movie, I did not know until we had the captions on watching this movie that they were saying, I'm Audi, not Audi, but Audi, like the car. I always oh. thought they were saying Audi, like O-U-T-T-I-E, Audi. Like I'm out, E, not Audi. Yeah. Please tell me I'm not the only one. Um, Fuck, I'm the only one. All right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think that I would have probably just thought that she was, I mean, she was saying Audi, but I would have assumed the car, I think, but before Shit. Audi, like. I have an Audi belly button. (laughs) I don't think I ever like thought about it. It wasn't until just now for me. Are you serious? Okay. I was, I was today years old. She's like, D I'm Audi. And I was like, okay, so she's out. Out. Right. Exactly. Not Audi. Like the car. Also as a child, I didn't know what cars were besides the Jeep. You didn't know what a car was. No, I knew what cars were, but like brands. I was like, Oh, Jeeps. But I guess that also makes sense, right? Because at one point she says jeeping. Mm-hmm. Jeeping. You out there jeeping on me? Nick, did you appreciate the slang? I did. I'm a big fan. Um, does anybody does anybody have any favorites, I guess? One favorite, one favorite line, one favorite, one favorite little uh phrase. I've already mentioned mine, which was I'm keeping it real, but I think I have a soft spot for that just based on the uh the back the backstory to it from, from my interview that I listened to with Donald Faison. I was going to say, Antonio, what's the one that you're, I know that you're going to be using, incorporating a lot of it into your vocabulary from, from here on out, but which one do you feel like is going to get the most use? Uh, Like slang. I don't know. Like, I feel like I already unironically use as if like pretty regularly, but I don't do it with the ditzy voice. Maybe I'll start doing that going forward. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> Please don't. Um, uh, the one that I thought was interesting that they used in this movie was when they described my man Christian and they called him a cake boy. And I was like, oh, okay. Cause like, so like I'm watching the movie and I didn't get it either until Donald Faison's like, he's a cake boy. And I was like, oh, is that what's wrong with him? Okay, I <laughs> with him. But like instantly I knew what cake boy was and I was like, "Oh, okay. That's 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 clever. I actually kind of like that." Which is I'm which not is weird because using it because, you know, it's 2020 and we can't, but cake boy, very interesting slang. See, but I never thought anything bad about that because in Mighty Ducks, he calls him a cake eater. So I was like, yeah, in Mighty That's Ducks, he ca- I think. No, no, in Mighty Ducks, uh, Jesse calls Adam Bakes a cake eater. 
But he I goes cake eater. And so I, so no, 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 no. But so that movie is like 92, 93. So 95, someone calls somebody a cake boy. I'm like, oh, he must not be tough or something because that's oh, okay. the reference I got. A cake eater is in no way, shape or form anywhere near what a cake boy is. Okay, just So when clear, you're a, when you are a 10 year old boy and you hear the word cake eater, cake boy, it's the same thing. Well, I mean, okay, so, so you're saying when you were 10. When you were 10, you didn't know that he was gay, right? That's what you're saying? You didn't know that Christian was gay? You could totally tell he was gay. I didn't okay, get so. that shit until the car scene where he, he's like, he's, he's saying he's a disco dancing Oscar Wilde reading Streisand ticket holding friend of Dorothy. Calls him a cake boy. I was like, oh, man. okay, Because like I turned to Lindsay and I was like, like <laughs> what's the deal oh my with this God. Movie? Like, I Because like, I, I asked Lindsay like, What's like the scene where he just gets a kiss on the cheek and then leaves her house? I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with this dude? Like, she's fully DTF. And then he says the cake boy scene happens. I'm like, okay, that makes sense. That is actually one of my favorite quotes in the movie when she's like, I don't get it. Did my hair get flat? Did I stumble into some (laughs) bad lighting? What's wrong with me? Because leave it to a girl to think like, Something like bad lighting is the reason why a gay guy doesn't want to sleep with her. Right. Because, right. you know, there's always, it's just something wrong with the girl. It's never, she's always so one often, to blame herself. Yeah. So often clueless. Yeah. So I watched this at a very, very young age. I feel like to be, I, I'll say I was impressionable as a seven-year-old watching this like um, when she's trying to argue her tardies, she's like, I was surfing the crimson wave. Like as a kid, like that just a hundred percent over my head. I had no idea what she was talking about. I just thought it was fun. It sounded funny. So I laughed. I didn't know what I that was. I asked to the ladies. <sighs> but calling it the crimson wave, it was just like, what? What is that? I had no idea. Yeah, I just, okay. That's funny. And I mean, there was a lot of moments like that, like rewatching that. I was just like, oh, I watched this a lot unsupervised. Listen, the best part of this movie, Ryan. What, what is the best part of this movie, Nick? The best part of this movie is not the words. The best part of this movie is Cher Horowitz, 90s fashion fucking icon. Yes. I saw this thing and apparently she had 63 outfit changes. I listen as someone who has already made an outfit change tonight and very sure so, with and do so frequently on zoom interactions. Uh, <laughs> I feel that I feel that as a child, I was extremely jealous that she could just pick her outfit with a computer. I know her rotating closet. This is the same thing that Lindsay said when we watched the movie too. And I was like, I didn't know that that was a thing for girls was like they were so excited about the oh, possibility wow. of being able to select an outfit from a computer and then have it spun around in this closet for them. I want that too. Yeah. I, I don't have enough clothes for that, but that would be really cool. Now, as we're talking about 90s technology and 90s fashion, that's the perfect that's the perfect thing right there is that's that's a grail. If I could have if I could have something that I could, I, I'm sure it would be a lot of effort, but I saw that and I was like, I need that. I need that in my life. I don't own that many, that much clothing either, 
I mean, enough to make multiple outfit changes in one Zoom meeting. But um, if I could have that, that would be a game changer, an absolute game changer. Yeah, you you really can't not talk about the fashion. I mean, we she mentions how many designers in this in this movie. She's getting robbed, and she's like, "You can't take my coat. It's an Alaya." And then when she's trying to get her license, she's like, "Where's my Fred Siegel shirt?" Which her license outfit is one of my favorite outfits in the entire movie. I said the same thing, and Nicholas looked at me like, "It's really? so cute." I think there. Are, I think there are better ones. I like a lot of the outfits where she's in light colored clothes because she looks very ethereal and angelic. One of the worst outfits she had in this was the outfit she that Amber knocked off from her. Yeah, not a good, not good. It looks like a Christmas dress that a toddler would wear. Like a like a sexy toddler. No, I mean just like it's got that little <laughs> ribbon and a flower <laughs> in the front and it's like Christmas colored. I don't know. Like, yeah. of all the outfits you could knock off from Cher, that's the one you chose to knock off? Well, that's how you knew she didn't have taste. Well, yeah. no, I mean, it was also a holiday party, but Cher also spent the least amount of time in it. And then the fact that Amber copied it, like... See, Dion's this is outfit. this is interesting to me as a as a point of conversation, because this is this is also one of the reasons why this movie doesn't translate across genders. We can talk about the male fashion. The baggy yeah, pants, it sucks. the greasy, the baggy it pants. and we're just supposed to swoon. Okay, first of all, you did swoon when I had greasy hair, so I don't want to hear it. You would love it if I had greasy hair and a goddamn red Nike hoodie you you every day. Your hair since March. I haven't washed washed my hair since <laughs> Nam, Jennifer. Along with those cargo shorts. I saw that scene and I was like, man, she would flip her shit if she saw how women were dressing right now. <laughs> <laughs> exactly like the boys in the 90s with our baggy pants and our greasy hair <laughs> Nick to piggyback off of what you said about Alicia Silverstone being the best part of this movie what's one of the reasons why you think she's the best part you think she's the best part Jesus <laughs> uh, yeah I think she's the best part um, Alicia Silverstone knows how to narrate this is this is it puts you like from from jump as they say, like from the first words out of her mouth, from the first narration, it's just it puts you in the mood, not not the mood, but, you know, it puts you in the mood of the movie. Like you're you're ready. You understand what's happening. Like she's conveying so much character in the way that she talks that that's um, supremely. And it's, and it's throughout the movie. You know, obviously she she does acting as well which is fantastic, by the way. I mean, you can sort of sense that she is going to be something or she should have been something because she's like what, 19, I guess, in this. She's just like, she's overflowing with energy and she she sort of inhabits this character really well. She gets everything right down to like the very small things. Um, she's a tremendous anchor for everything that happens and everybody plays off of her and it all works. She works with everyone that she interacts with. Um, I don't know. She's super funny in her like and her delivery is also something that, you know, Brandon talked about how it's like, oh, she's, you know, she's simultaneously like she's she'll say smart things, but also she's like super dumb and ditzy. And I get that. But um, for, you know, as a personal, I guess, um, response the, or the way that I felt when I was watching her performance, especially the points where she was being ditzy, it was sort of counterbalanced by the fact that it was kind of endearing. You know, not necessarily endearing in the same way that Brittany Murphy's was, because Brittany mm -hmm. Murphy 
is, you know, um, kind of like a child. But it, it was just the way that Alicia Silverstone was playing certain things and, and the reaction that she had, it was, um, it just felt very like earnest, you know, like there was, there was a heart behind the fact that she was, you know, this stereotypical blonde teenager, you know, in, right. in California. I guess to kind of tie in this week's loss of Joel Schumacher talking about Batman and Robin, she didn't bring the same energy to that role, I don't think. No, and I, you know, I, that's the other thing is that I wonder if it's a, um, you know, I think Amy Heckling is a great director. You know, I think that she understood. I think the vision was there. I know disrespect to Joel Schumacher. I'm not personally a fan of a bunch of his movies, but I don't know that there was a solid idea of what they wanted that character to be. Yeah. And, and I it, think that really kind of derailed her career. Yeah. And it's really unfortunate because, like I said, you know, it's one of those things where you're, and I think that I've mentioned this uh, or something along these lines where like you watch a performance by a young actor and you think they're going to be, you know, like they have, I hate, I hate using it, but they have it, you know, like they have the yeah. right energy, they have the right commitment, they understand certain things about what's going on and, and they have what it takes to, to be a star. And I think she could have been something if she, if she would have had a high profile role other than, you know, other than in Batman and Robin, I think she could have been, you know, her career, her trajectory could have been way different. To me, Alicia Silverstone is still one of those actors that has a name that's almost kind of like stock that you don't want to give up on because you have a feeling it's going to rise at certain at a, at a certain point. But Alicia Silverstone, to me, had that it factor, and it was just weird to never see it really kind of materialize after this movie. I thought she was pretty charming, actually, in uh, Batman. I thought that uh, it wasn't a huge role for her. I mean, that whole first of all, that whole movie is a mess. Let's just be clear. Um, The only way that uh, George Clooney survives that movie is because he's fucking George Clooney. But like nipples, right? Right, and and same goes for Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like there, nobody really survived that movie. So that's, I mean, it's unfair that she was also attached to that that project. But I think the roles or the the scenes that she was in, she was. I I liked her better in that than I did in Clueless. Uh, but I, it, it feels a little disrespectful to say that she kind of fell off after that because she does have that iconic role in Braceface as Sharon Spitz. Yes. Doesn't like the animated show Braceface. That was such a good show. But it my was. MVP or the the performance I appreciated the most, I think, in this movie was probably the dad Mel. I thought that he he he's probably my favorite in this one, just because like I the, as as a a dad of a daughter, I definitely identified with Mel the most. I think we can all agree that Mel is everyone's favorite character, right? He is the purest. I think he is. I do find it really weird that a LA or not an LA, but a California attorney didn't know that your daughter could get a ticket without having a license. But that's a. I think that's more of a writing error than than his character. But I I found him very endearing. Yeah, I think it would have been very easy for them to play or to write that role as sort of like an absentee fop, which is what you I guess see in that in those sort of situations, like the rich dad single dad who doesn't actually care and she's actually raised by like the help or something like that in that mm-hmm. sort of situation so it was an interesting twist on that where 
It's like, mm -hmm. oh, he's actually, you know, he keeps and up. a good dad. He's a good dad. It's always nice to just have positive dad role models yeah. on screen. Except for the whole fact that he let her make out with her ex stepbrother. Apparently, that's is that is that poor parenting, Brandon? I don't know that he let her do it. I think that mm. I honestly think that that happens outside of him knowing because there's no way he knows. That Mel, he knows. Mel is not a stupid man. He knows. Jennifer, I know you had a different MVP of this movie. It's absolutely Paul Rudd. I enjoy every bit of him on screen, including his chin pubes. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what college freshmen looked like when I went to college. Which brings me to an interesting point. Is Paul Rudd attractive? Yes. Yes. Because everybody in my household was like, oh my God, Paul Rudd, so attractive. And I'm like, I don't see it. I don't like I can I feel like I can honestly admit when there's an attractive guy around and Paul Rudd just wasn't it for me. Was Christian attractive Christ when he entered? Christian definitely. Cuz his well his entrance the whole thing is attractive. Christian yeah. definitely to me was more attractive. Yeah. Christian's but attractive. Rudd, he's good looking and he's confident. Paul there's nothing attractive about Paul Rudd. Did anybody count how many close-ups of his eyes we got in this movie? Are you gonna... not enough? <laughs> the man he was he was wearing makeup though. Like nobody's eyes just look like that. Nobody's eyes are that dreamy. He's kind of a Baldwin. I mean, look at them. It's true. Actually, one of my favorite scenes with him is when they're dancing at the party. Yeah, like, what you you just fall in love with him as a character when he dances with Ty. Cause he's kind of dorky. Oh, but if I dance like that, <laughs> right? Hey, preach, preach, Antonio, preach. Are you gonna approach fifteen-year-old girls at a party? Well, I'm gonna do it now with their shirts tied around their waist, and then dance with them when they look lonely. I mean, I'm no longer eighteen, so no. <laughs> I, thought, I, I was gonna say you act like he hasn't been doing that already. Well, what what what's the lowest you can go when you divide by two and add seven? Don't do this. 22. Oh, okay. 22? 22. They're going to be out there doing those TikTok dances, Antonio. You can't keep up with that. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know any of that <laughs> shit. I loved Paul Rudd in this movie. I just didn't understand how the fuck he made a sandwich like that. I will never, I will never give that up. I, Pull, he pulls, I, he pulls that. out. By the way, cold cuts like that, that's pretty fucking baller right there. When you can pull out your refrigerator, a bin full of turkey just ready for you to put on a sandwich. That's awesome. You got restaurant grade refrigerator. Yes. Food storage. That's not common. Yeah. It's yeah. not just in someone's house. That's the yeah. kind of life that Mel provides for you. And in return, Mel doesn't expect that you make out with your stepbrother. Amen. <laughs> But the fact that you put your turkey on a on bread and then you put the mayonnaise on the turkey, I just can't do that. Wait, wait, listen. First of all, first of all, first of all, yes, yes, sandwich construction is an issue. But first of all, let's talk about how he takes out a giant fucking bin of turkey and takes one slice. Like the slice is thinner than just one is slice. Is it one slice bread. or is it like a couple slices folded together and he it takes out be, the fold? Two, but it's very thin. It's it's extraordinarily thin. It's thinner than one of those slices of bread. And come on, okay. 
He's just, he's basically eating a bread sandwich. I was just trying to defend Paul. You failed. I would love I would love <laughs> to defend Paul Rudd in this and everything, but some things are some positions are untenable. And that fucking turkey sandwich is it's just Unten- not going to work. Yeah. There's a reason he didn't make his own peanut butter and jelly in uh, Avengers Endgame. Scarjo's. <laughs> I like that. Anybody else have any characters that stuck out to them that were just that they love so much they want to talk about? Another male is was Brecken Myers, Travis. Yes, he he's just you can't I don't know just everything about him on screen was great. It's an absolutely underrated performance for sure. He's he steals every scene he's in. I just love his face. It's just so sweet. Like you just mm-hmm. I don't know Tony Romo looking at just like a oh no <laughs> it doesn't you, no I don't like Tony Romo. It doesn't he feels seem very like pure. it's that. No, he, I don't know. It doesn't seem like it's that difficult what he's doing. We're like Brandon is talking about Can how Cher looked pure. Jennifer, not since I've been with you. Um, his his tardiness acceptance speech is oh, so good. Cool. <laughs> that is one of my favorite. Ones. Like so good. Gets up like it's an Oscar speech. Yeah. And, and then him, he's talking to Cher about his 12-step program. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's these steps. There's a... Uh, she's like... 12? Yeah, how'd you know? <laughs> it's just like, like he, he remembers ruining her shoes. He invites yes. her to his skate competition. That's he's like, so sweet. It's just been, like, his skate game's been changed with all this clarity. Donates a bonk to the needy. Yeah. yeah. And you would think... That at the Kitchen end of wares, that, that's where I keep them too. As pure as Travis was, and as clear of a connection as they had, she wouldn't have ended up making out with her stepbrother. Wait, no, it, Ty winds up with Travis. But I agree with you, Brandon. I think I know where you're going with that. Did it not seem like when he was trying to donate that box that he was he invited her to the skate deal? He didn't invite Ty. I think it's he was Tom. trying to get it in with the. Uh, Share. I think that was more of, yeah, that was like a peace offering. And he was also trying to work his way into like, well, you're Ty's, one of Ty's best friends. If we're cool. Which True. We, ha- we have to talk about Brittany Murphy. You can't not talk about Brittany. Rest in peace. I actually, because I, I think, I think, Amanda, I think you think differently. So I'll, I, I want you to go second, I guess. Um, Go ahead. Do you want to go? No, you can go. Jen, first. are you going to be positive? Hear... Yeah. Okay. I love Brittany Murphy. Shit, don't let me talk. What? No, no, you're good. I I, I was just going to, I just wanted somebody to say something. I think she was the perfect casting for Ty. She's, Brittany Murphy's just like adorable little, and I watched a few interviews and stuff where people talked about her and they were like, she was just this young little sweet thing. Like she was little not, not, yeah, like she was just a pure little sweet actress and she just brought all this light and her giggle and like she was able to be this like random outsider wearing like she walks in like with a flannel and a troll shirt and her red hair and the first person she meets besides them like you know she sees Travis in the lunch line and she like makes friends with him like she's just nice yes throughout I, this whole movie one of my favorite well not throughout the whole movie yes there is a brief and, and that was another thing is that if we're talking about things it, whatever it's well fine. it's california what does that have to do with anything? um pretentious 
I'm still here. Go ahead. Oh, <laughs> um, when she sings the jingle, sitting there on the couch with like hanging her little with her little off, feet hanging off the couch. Yes, that, is, that is a pure moment. That's a that's an adorable little thing, and it's like, oh, okay, all right, I get it. She's yeah. just a tiny little, she's well, just a little baby. She's new to that world too. She's just she was thrown into this high school. It's just it's just an interesting juxtaposition, right? Because she comes in and she's like, man, you know, like A, she's not a virgin. B, like she's she's like, man, I could really use some weed. I mean, she doesn't say it like that. There's some obviously smoke. the classic line. Some herbal refreshments. The herbal refreshments, yes. Which uh, as a child, I really just thought I'd of course you were seven you didn't know what weed was um i didn't and then she's like wait you guys have coke here so she knows what coke is she knows all these things but then she's just like watching this um this little commercial and doing the jingle and like dangling her little feet off like she's still a kid so it's a nice little nice little insight into the character yeah yeah i think that her character like grows increasingly obnoxious through the movie I give a lot of kudos to Brittany Murphy because like as the movie goes on, I like cringe every time I see Ty on screen and or anytime she enters the room. And that's it's a it's a big credit on Brittany Murphy's part because she makes you feel that about the character, at least for me. And maybe maybe that's why I never really took to that character is because it is somewhat cringeworthy. Like every time she's She's in a scene, she she sticks out like a sore thumb. So it's just like, oh, you know. I think she had to have like what the biggest transition throughout the whole movie. Yeah. Like Cher, she stayed pretty much herself. Like she just like had more realization like, oh, I like my. Well, yeah, she's going through that. Like they turned her into a monster, essentially. Right. They turned her into this popular girl and then suddenly she's too cool for everyone. Yeah. They gave her the Lindsay Lohan arc. Yeah. I did like that. The one scene that uh, Emma and coolest share is that scene where Ty comes in with all of the stuff from a past love and she wants to burn it. And I like that. I appreciated that in clueless. They modernized it um, with the, with her desire to wanting to burn the cassette tape that yeah. he, that she had. I thought that was a cool little modernization of that particular scene since it's you know it's a definitely a shot for shot or not a shot for shot but it, it's they they stayed true to that particular point in both emma and in clueless but yeah i mean ty's character definitely i guess has the most growth um as she you know shows up weird out of place brooklyn accent is that what she's going for i'm not 100 percent sure and then is has this makeover becomes this monster after she's saved in this mall scene, which really isn't her fault that she be ultimately becomes popular, but doesn't do anything, I guess, to diminish her popularity or uh, remember how she got there. But And then she has that kind of, I guess, transition down into this person that isn't the monster that she was. Right. And well, I mean, she also never really actually stops being friends. Like she comes over to Cher's house to bring this stuff and she's flirting with Josh and she realizes like she likes him and like she doesn't become really the enemy until Cher kind of is like, oh, really? Like 
you think you can be with him? And then that's when she's like, what do you know? Like, you're a virgin who can't drive. Like, you're still friends, <laughs> like, up until that point. Which is rude. But, like, I mean, when you're being threatened, kind of, like, that's what you revert to. Is She's just like, well, she had her hopes up. She was excited to see her friend. She's like, I'm going to burn all this stuff. I'm over this guy. I like this guy. And then, like, your friend that you, like, trust immediately is like, oh, really? Like, you think. Just kind of shit on you. Y'all work? And yeah. then she's like, well, what do you know? So she wasn't really an enemy until that point. I mean, she did have a big head about herself, but she's also a 15-year-old who went from wearing a troll shirt with a flannel to <laughs> dressing in, like, plaid it's, skirts. It's easier not to think about their actual ages in any of what happens here. Yes. So I'm just They're saying. all super 15. <laughs> so if we can just cut them some slack. That's fair. The world should cut 15-year-olds more slack. As a former 15-year-old. I think it's interesting, though, also just real quick, like to look at, quote-unquote, 15-year-olds at that time in the 90s and then 15-year-olds in the early 2000s. There's just like a terrible gap in fashion and pop culture. Yeah. Like I look at those 15-year-olds, and like I know it's a movie, but like also like you look at 15-year-olds today and like they look somewhat similar to that. There was just like a gap there in the 2000s where we all just kind of, we were like the worst generation. Strong disagree. I burned all photos. The worst. I look good with my greasy hair and my Nike hoodie. I don't give a fuck. No. Low rise pants were stupid. Yes. No, they were not. Any photo of me that exists between 97 and 2019. 2019? Very briefly, very briefly, I do want to mention, people talk about this uh, this driving scene with fucking, we're not going to talk about Stacy Dash because nope, that's not. extraordinarily problematic. People people love to talk about that driving scene with Dion on the fucking Stacey freeway. Stacy Dash was fine as hell, though. Yeah, she well, did look good. Amen. Listen. That pleather skirt she did, or that patent leather? Yes. Was that, was that orange skirt she wore mm-hmm. with that blue sweater vest? Mm-hmm. She's looking real good. Okay, she's 15, you pedophiles. Um, she was actually she was 30. 30. But... No, I know. She was I the oldest. She was the oldest one. When this was... Yeah, I just rounded it up. Yeah. But yeah, she, she was, was the oldest. Definitely fine as hell. Yes, they're all of age. They're all attractive. Everyone's attractive in this movie. Anyways, except for Paul Rudd, apparently, Brandon. I'm sorry. She was super attractive. That freeway scene gives me anxiety. It's not funny to me at all. It just... Everybody's yelling. There's a lot of honking. I don't like it. I want to. Uh, I think I muted it when I watched it. It does bring me to one of my favorite quotes. Though. What is one of your favorite quotes? Well, I want to oh, wait. Sorry, we're not going to. Okay, sorry. I'm not going to jump ahead because I do want. I want. That's my I want Antonio loves this movie so much. I wanted. We never really got who his favorite character in in this movie was. Did it change after rewatching it, Antonio? No, I mean it was it was still share, uh, but. Uh, so you know who really likes this movie that was really that looks forward to listening to this episode is uh, it's my guy Miguel. Shit, yeah. Him and his wife love this movie and apparently quote it on a daily basis. Um, <laughs> he said something very disrespectful to me and said that he sees me as Mr. Hall in the future. Wow. 
in the end, he gets married. He's got a happy ending. Yeah, I would. I would never disrespect you like that, Antonio. I don't. Believe I know Brandon hates this movie, but I don't know. I I thought it was great. Like Cher's character, I think was what it needed to be. It it instantly grabbed you at the very beginning. Great narrator. Uh, plays the ditzy role perfectly. Just, just awesome. We need to share in our lives. No, we don't. Life. No, we don't. You know, Antonio. I think I know someone in your life that could. Oh, good maybe point. Be a share. Yep, I can think of somebody. But okay, so like Antonio, like I'm just I'm trying to really like just figure out like I I I really want to understand what is it about this movie that made you watch it three times? Like what? There was never a dull moment. Like the first 30 seconds, I was hooked. It was like a Noxzema commercial. <laughs> and I was just, I, I was in it for all, is it what, an hour, a little over an hour and a half? Yep. Like I was in it the entire time. This movie could have been two and a half hours for all I cared. Oh, I don't know about mm-hmm. that. And I would have been good with it. Unlike the other two and a half hour movie that you guys made me watch, At least two hours. like okay, so like <sighs> because I'm I'm I I'm still str- I'm struggling, and I, I really I really want to understand, you know, what it is that just that that does this for you. I listen as someone that doesn't like Paul Rudd, I, I I am upset that I like this movie, partly because of his character, but. I don't know. Like the whole, I, I get that you say there, there's not really a plot, and maybe this is one of the the reverse things where you know, maybe I'm the dumb one that isn't paying attention, but but I don't think so. No, yeah. that can't be it because it's a cult classic and and people like it. But I just I can't figure out why. Like I I I, I watched this movie and then I watched the source material that it's based on and. I just may, okay, so maybe if it, no, because even if you recast a bunch of characters, like it's still just the not story's still the same, not good, and I I don't know what it is, but you know I I I am happy that you liked it, you know I'm glad that we found something that you liked, but I can't figure it out. I mean, okay, so I think I think that's good because I think I think one of the things that people talk about when they talk about why this movie is so good. Right. One of the one of the selling points is that it's um, I think I think maybe I use the phrase we've all used a variant of this phrase. It's eminently quotable. Right. Like you can you can take stuff from this movie and put it at maybe not you, Brandon. I don't know. I'm interested in what your response to this would be. It's just this eminently quotable. I'm start calling everybody cake boys. <laughs> OK, that's your that's your go to quote from this movie. Brandon is is cake boy. Trouble. It's 2020, Brandon. I would uh, I would exercise some caution with that. <laughs> Here's a hot take. You know how uh, we say that, or Booksmart is intended to be like the female. Oh fuck! No. Super bad. I think this is more. This is closer to being a female super bad than than Booksmart. Mm-hmm. That is a hot take. I can't. Wrong. I'm not. I can't do this anymore. That is that is an unacceptable take, Ryan. Please help me here. That Get you, that man. take that take is unacceptable. He should be banned from this podcast for a week for that take. That that's it's, it's egregious 
It's unheard of. It's, it's never been done in the history of the Jedi. <laughs> I thought we also just need to stop shitting on Booksmart as a comparison to Superbad. I don't know uh, why this keeps happening. They're in. I think they're in two totally different classes, my man. I'm going to disagree with your hot take on that. I appreciate your hot take. I like where your hot take is going. No, you don't. And if you do, we're going to have words. You're a liar, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> and this guest bedroom that I'm sitting in here is going to look real cozy. <laughs> <laughs> they're just from two different eras, and they're two different stories. One's a satire. The other one's not. You can decide which one you think is a satire and which one isn't. I'd love to see a 2020 version. Or no. There's always been talks that there's going to there's gonna be a remake of this movie. But don't. I like no. it the way it is. Don't touch it. I mean, they remade A Star is Born like a billion times. That's complete. No. I, like you, Antonio, as soon as the, I, as soon as the movie came on, I was I was locked in and hooked. I was like, what? And then, but it's also, there's a little bit of nostalgia there for me. But Brandon, I do see your point as well. And when people watch this movie and they love it, you're kind of like, what? what is there to love about this movie? There, there is no plot. And it ends up with an ex-stepbrother, an ex-stepsister hooking up in the end. But Nick, I think you do bring up the, the greatest point of all. This, And I said it in the beginning. This movie is just incredibly quotable. That's what everyone's connection is to this movie. Everyone says as if or whatever. And then they do the, 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 the W. I don't know how many times I saw that in school when people did the whatever that amber does with the w sign it's a it's a piece of american cinema of the 90s that we will never be rid of and we will always quote and it holds a special place in a lot of people's hearts especially antonio's now welcome antonio i just real quick brandon did you like napoleon dynamite no i hated that movie yeah, <laughs> fucking kind of. garbage it's literally it's way, one of the worst there's a lot okay but still, it's harsh. that's that is a podcast that if harsh. we ever did napoleon dynamite i would absolutely sit out no actually i take that back i would absolutely want to be there to just convey how much i hate that movie it is there's nothing endearing about it at all quick, I found it is but quick question fucking worst type of movie quick question you would probably give that a one but is it a buy? <laughs> <laughs> I do not own a copy of Napoleon Dynamite, so it is definitely not a buy for me. Okay. I've never seen that before. <laughs> Brandon, is there a movie without a plot that you like? You're asking him to literally contradict his whole reason. No, for not I know, but I'm just movie. saying, like, there's movies that, like, I don't know. There's no sense in getting rid of them for entertainment value you know what i'm gonna watch i'm gonna find a movie for next week that doesn't have a plot and watch it and i'll let you know okay it's so not gonna be me i've already tried brandon have you seen son-in-law it's not gonna be you, you oh, son-in-law is there is a plot to son-in-law and son-in-law is awesome i really just wanted to bring up Polly shore and brandon's take on the, the fact that clueless has no plot that there's it's like no trying movie. to find meaning in a Polly shore movie yeah all of Polly Shore movies have meaning. They're all important. Yeah, the meaning is Polly Shore fucking sucks. Hey. That's your opinion. You're Some entitled. Doesn't great. mean it's right. 
Son-in-law is a great movie. It's got your girl in it, Nick. How can you say Son-in-law is not a good movie? Just because Which my movie? people are Which in these people? movies. Real quick, quickly, quickly, quickly. 30 seconds or less. I have a question for Jen. Jen, the first time then you and Nick had a movie night, did he bring over movies like Christian did? I fucking, I knew you would, <laughs> I knew you'd do that. I'm going to leave it at that. I'm going to move on. I can't get thirty. I can't get thirty seconds I to talk about how Jeremy Sisto looks like fucking Timothy Chalamet, but you can get your. Hey, <laughs> I don't think you you get it when you can. I will say the first movie we watched together. No, I guess technically it was The Omen. Yes. Okay. With Derek and Brandon. Oh, nice! A little four way, our other four actual date first night. movie date was well. Brandon was also there. That wasn't a movie date. Yeah, that wasn't an official movie date because Brandon was, was there. <laughs> It was Skyfall. Skyfall, remember? yeah. <laughs> it was me, Nick, and Brandon. It was a fun date. Getting drunk off Vespers. Brandon's at all of our dates. Yeah, we still request him to be there. Friday night is date night. Brandon, come over. Right, because then it gets awkward if I'm not there between the two of them. Right, right. They don't know what to say to each other. Yeah. So what did everyone take away from the movie? Antonio, I think you had the biggest impact from this movie. What did you take away from this movie? Did anyone go watch any like step sibling porn after some stepbrother? I'm I'm stuck stuff or what? I'm not asking the specifics. I, I'm just asking a general question. No, I I didn't. I I definitely didn't. But I didn't specifically go out and seek out stepbrothers, stepsisters stuff afterwards. If it came up, it came up. Right, exactly. I did watch step-sibling porn after this, but it's not because of Clueless. There's no correlation here. It just happened like that. Next on the playlist. <laughs> So Nick, what'd you take away? Uh, great movie, super underrated, super underrated movie in the same sense that like the way that people are depicted, the characters are depicted in this in this uh, movie are underrated. It's smarter than you think it is. The kids are smarter than you think they are in this movie. They're more, they're deeper than you know. They have more emotion, more character, more intelligence than you think that they have. And this movie is the same. You think it? Don't judge a book by its cover. Like this is this is a good movie. If you haven't watched this movie, I think we've talked about how like as a guy, if you're our generation, you may not have watched this movie. Go watch this movie. It's super funny. It's super smart. It's super witty. Watch the movie. Jen, what about you? Ten out of ten. We're not doing ratings yet. Oh, sorry. (laughs) I was gonna get into. Can you not interrupt? Go for it. (laughs) Well, you ruined it. It's a good movie. I liked it. I took away a lot. Amanda? Um, kind of in the same vein that Nick was talking about. I mean, it's not just even like don't judge a book by its cover or I guess a movie by its cover. It's not just a chick flick. Nick, I can't I can't put into words any better than you did about this movie. I feel the exact same way that you do. Brilliant writing, so smart, so funny. So I think that did I, I covered. I touched everyone, right? Everyone. 
You touched us all. Ryan. I did. Thank Brandon. you. Oh, you Brandon, I'm Brandon. sorry. Brandon, How dare you? what did you take away from this film? Nothing, Ryan. I took <laughs> nothing away from this film. I feel worse for having watched it. Should because have just skipped you. It's one of those, for me, it's one of those things where it's like, where they say, never meet your heroes. Uh, <laughs> and I guess for me, I had put this movie on such a high pedestal for so long. Like this movie was like one of these like coming like one of those cult coming of age movies, and then you watch it and you're like, man, I wish I could have that time back because that just that was not it for me. And I, you know, I I will never get it. Maybe someday I'll rewatch it and and I'll have an epiphany and this movie will will be all of the things that you and Nick said that it is just now. But for me. I, I took nothing away from this movie and I am sorry that uh, I'm sorry that I voted for it. And that Antonio, by the way, is how you hate on a film. You don't oh, just sit there oh, and be shit. quiet about it. You, oh. let, you let the podcast and the audience know that you hated the shit. It is I ass. genuinely hated having to watch this movie. Brandon. It is ass. Oh shit! You okay. TKO. Are you gonna take in this week? Antonio, off you there? Wild Wild West. You'd like Wild Wild Antonio's West. Antonio's dead. What are you talking about? Is he there? He's dead. <laughs> I'm here. It's just that movie didn't warrant any response. So <laughs> damn. damn. <laughs> so I guess now that brings us to our rating system. And for those of you out there that do not know what our rating system is, we have a four point system and it goes like this if you get a one rating it's wouldn't rewatch it or recommend two you maybe rewatch but wouldn't recommend three rewatch and recommend if asked about the movie specifically or a four which means you would rewatch and provide unsolicited recommendation so antonio what's your rating for clueless uh so this is a four <laughs> <laughs> This is in that. Oh, God. <laughs> I could do it twice. <laughs> this would go in the Jojo Rabbit category. <laughs> I wish I was on Zoom so I could see Brandon right now. I'll record it. I, I know what Brandon's rating is going to be for this. And I'll say this. There, there is a one in here somewhere. And it's, it's not even... Part of, it's part of the movie in the sense that Cher gave the best description of early 90s grunge metal music by calling it Complain Rock. That was fantastic because grunge music is a one on a scale of one to four. But Nice. <laughs> love yeah. it. What? See, Brandon can love and hate you all in one sentence. I love it. <laughs> Amanda, would you rate this movie? I'm giving it a four because, yeah, I mean, I have rewatched it a hundred times and I am the one that provided it as an unsolicited recommendation in the group chat. You're the real MVP for that. Yeah. <laughs> it was my nomination for the week. It's a democracy, but I'm the one that provided this one. <laughs> Sorry, Brandon. It's a democracy, but I'm the hero. Yeah. <laughs> Nick, what's your rating for Clueless? Um, it's between a three and a four. I feel I don't feel comfortable giving it a four, 
mostly because of this conversation and knowing that I don't think that it works for everyone. You know, I've already I've already extolled the virtues of the movie. You know, I've talked about it in sort of the wrap up that we were talking about earlier. It's just a great movie. And, and, and we talked about how, how long it is. It's an hour and a half. It, it moves along very briskly. It never feels like it's, you know, it never feels like there's dead space in the movie at all. It, it feels um, light and snappy and it works, you know, like um, it's always hitting. It's just like one of those classic sort of teen movies that, that has that dialogue that propels it naturally through through each scene and, and, and on and on. And it, and it, God, it never overstays it. It's welcome. It's just, it's just a great movie. It's just a great way to spend an hour and a half. You know, it's it's easy to recommend in that sense because yep. you know, every every movie's like two hours and fifteen minutes long now. You know, just tell somebody it's easy to recommend. You can just say, hey, you know, take take an hour and a half out of your out of your day. Watch Clueless if you somehow haven't watched Clueless before, which I guess is more people than I thought it was. And it's a good example of a comedy. And who doesn't love a comedy? I gave this just based upon our rating system. I gave it a four. It is something I would rewatch and I provide unsolicited recommendation for it. Cause, and it just, it has a special place in my heart. I literally quoted the entire movie as I was watching it the first time. And then when we watched it all together as a family last night, I quoted it again. It's just part of American cinema that part of pop culture, American pop. Exactly. Culture. American pop culture. Perfect. You have to watch it. That's why I give it a four. Jen, what is your rating for Clueless? Two very enthusiastic thumbs up. Fine holiday fun. <laughs> Brandon, I know you watched the other version of the wrong version of Emma. I still encourage you to watch the other version of Emma because I enjoyed that one. But this movie, like Nick said, moves along very quick. Like there's no dull points really. Like it's entertaining. Like casting, fantastic. Script, fantastic. It's just a good movie. Yeah. Brandon, on our fun table rating system, what would you give Clueless? Boy, what would I give Clueless? Real, so quick anecdote, I guess. Um, in Star Wars Revenge of the Sith, at the end of the movie, um, I felt, watching this movie, I felt a lot like, listening to you guys give this movie fours, uh, I felt like uh, I felt a lot like Anakin Skywalker there burning on Mustafar, looking up at you guys giving this movie fours and thinking, <laughs> I hate you as I'm as I'm fucking as I'm burning, you know, and my limbs are like disintegrating. I'm like, man, these people. But then I think also like Obi-Wan is standing there and he's yelling at me how I was supposed to bring balance to the force. And I'm like, how was I supposed to do that? with you terrible people. And from where <laughs> I stand, you guys are the bad guys. All of you who gave this movie a four, this movie's a one. I would not buy it. it it's horrible. Well, and I know I'm getting you for your birthday. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> awful, awful movie. And, and you guys, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm just so sad that I had to watch this. You've been consumed by the take, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely done, Nick. I feel so bad for Jen because Jen's just like, why, Brandon? Why can you not see it the way we see it? Right. And, so and perfect. It's disappointing also because Jen and I generally have similar tastes and things. 
So this is this like is a 100%. pretty big departure. So maybe you guys will have the same recommendation. Is there anything that anyone would recommend for Clueless or that's similar to Clueless or that would, after seeing Clueless, what would you recommend that's something along those same lines as Clueless or that genre? High school, female-driven comedies that are actually good, Mean Girls. Yep. I was going to recommend that. Um, It would be like the perspective of Ty. Anybody else? Nick, Jen, Antonio? Gladiator. What the fuck? Yes. We're not voting on our next movie. These are recommendations based off of this movie, Antonio. Yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay. 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 I mean, the brother fucks the sister in Gladiator. You son of a bitch. I hate you. (laughs) I hate you so much.